Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times of ours. And in today's episode, Benji and I delve deep into the cross section between God and sexuality. What does it mean to have God centered sex? What does that mean to be a single person and trying to build sexual integrity centered on God? This stuff doesn't make any sense unless you think about it, unless you live it, unless you try it out, unless you figure it out. So, Sammy and I tackled this issue, but I have the other brother now, so we had to tackle this issue again, because if you don't understand this, this is a core fundamental matter of importance, and if you don't take time to figure it out, you're always going to have this separate life where God is allowed in certain parts of your life, but you lock the door on other rooms of your mind or heart. So if you want the full experience of life, you need to let God in every area of your life, especially sexuality. So that's what Benji and I get into. Hope you love it. See you on the inside. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we are going to be discussing two big topics. One, Mm -hmm. heaven and earth, I guess. We're going to be talking about God and sex. How do you feel about that, Benji? Nervous? Shaking in your little little high heel boots? (laughs) Yeah, such a confusing topic. I'm really excited to kind of delve into it and, and digest it into a bite-sized pieces for us. Yeah. And so the reason this came up is because, to be honest, it's kind of like an action step or it's like, it's a big slide in our presentations. We always have this idea that God should be at the center of your sex, but like, that's a little bit abstract unless you put some thought into it or make it mean something. So we are going to try to help it mean something or at least give you some food for thought so you can make it mean something. Do you remember growing up, like having, hearing this and like having a feeling about it? Well, I think something we can relate to right now is we just had the core of the universe book, Hanukkah book, all about God's vision for sex based on Father and Mother Moon's words. And I was reading that with my wife, right? Because we just got in the mail from Amazon. And I want to read this one quote. It's short, all right? My sexual organ is the original palace of love, life, and lineage. Only in this way, it can it become the palace in which God can reside. Since God is the king of kings, he needs to reside in his original palace. So... If you want God to come and dwell within you, you need to become the original palace of love, life, lineage, and conscience. Okay, so that sounds awesome. And I read that. I have no idea. (laughs) Like, If I can be honest, like growing up, I have no idea how to personally relate with that. You know, I understand the theoretically or theologically God residing in sex, right? And not just in a for married couples or blessed couples, but as an individual, how do I invite God into my sexuality, into my mind, my spirit, my body? And when I read that, like, it sounds great, but I don't know what that means, frankly. So I kind of want to help us figure that out and make it more, a little more practical here. Yeah. Okay. I think it'd be worthy to, a worthy challenge to talk about both singles, because there's, you know, people who are just trying to build their sexual integrity in preparation for marriage. And then also people who are married, who are blessed, who are in a relationship and how this applies. Because you want to have God-centered sexual integrity as a single person. And then you want to have God-centered sexual activity (laughs) as a married person, right? So which one do you want to start with? Let's start with singles, okay? Mm -hmm. That'll be a little bit easier, I think. One thing is like, you know, definitely God is a little bit different for everybody when they think about God or experience God. But I think we could all agree that things like empathy, 
like virtues, like really important things that we care about, sharing, gratitude, all these things that I think they could be great descriptive words for God. Yeah. That a relationship with God, it would be filled with gratitude, filled with love, filled with compassion, all this stuff, right? So therefore, your relationship with sex should be infused with those same descriptive words, the same adjectives, right? So that's empathy. So that means there's no empathy in porn because you don't care about the people on the screen, right? Mm. Like when you're leering at a woman, are you thinking about her or are you just thinking about her body, right? Mm. So it's not about, again, guilt shouldn't be a part of your relationship with God. So guilt also shouldn't be a part of your sexual experience in any degree, in any way, shape or form. So you're kind of like, however the you would like to relate with the divine, doesn't have to be what you're always experiencing, but like your vision for if you could have a great relationship, a functional relationship with God that was beneficial to you, then it would probably, you could probably just substitute the word God with sexuality in many cases, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think about that? Yeah, I would agree 100% for single folks. I remember when I was single back in the day, not that long ago, it was all about, I grew up in the unification movement and heard about sexuality and God most of my life, you know, through Hundoke, of course, and didn't really start thinking about it until I was, you know, knee deep in porn and masturbation and not really knowing how to figure it out, especially when I was like 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, 16 years old. And when I turned 16, it was like something clicked in me that I, I realized that I have this strong sexual energy that we're all blessed with, you know, the sexual drive that we have, all humans have. And when I hear you talk, Andrew, it's, it's like, there's a difference between using that sexual energy for myself or using it for others, using it for to better myself, using it for productivity and creation, as opposed to just satisfying myself, right? Sure. And this is like, it's kind of hard to understand unless you can see the benefit of abstaining from not just porn, but masturbation, looking lustfully at other men or women at the gym, on the, at the park, or I don't know where you're going. But if you just focus that energy for 40 days or 21 days and just focus it fully on developing yourself, focusing your energy on just creating something new for yourself, developing yourself to a new person, then you realize like you're missing something. And every time you do act out and masturbate, and this is what I ask the guys in my group all the time is when you do masturbate, how do you feel after that? After you masturbate, do you feel like, on top of the world and ready to take on a new project or go out and change the world? No, it's usually the opposite feeling. It's, it's deflation, it's depression, it's just self-loathing and, and it's all about the self in the end. And the act of masturbating is on the self and the feeling afterward is about the self. There's nothing that's about helping other people or, or preparing yourself for marriage. So for me, what it means to be, to have God at the center of my sexuality as a single person is, am I able to use my sexual organ for myself or for others or for God? Because the reality is all of human history since the beginning of the fall of Adam and Eve, but obviously not only that, but throughout all of history has always been people misusing their sexual organs and how that has affected their lives and their children, the lineage and, and so forth. So basically the opposite of that is where God resides. The opposite of selfishly using my sexual sexuality for myself and satisfying myself for the sake of bettering myself, bettering the world 
I think that's really where God lies and that's where God's palace is, I guess. So that's kind of what makes most sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of people have so many different feelings towards God or religion or whatever. But like, if you could imagine stripping away your experience and then formulating a vision for that, like an ideal relationship with God, it's like a source of comfort, a source of connection, a source of wisdom, you know, all these things. God can be that. God can also be something to blame, <laughs> something to get frustrated with. Why is my life working out? Something, you know, like a scapegoat. Right. Be whatever you kind of work at making it becoming. So I would just assume the same exact stuff for sexuality too. And so as a single person, you think about, well, what kind of relationship do you want with sex? Do you want it to be something that when it's brought up in school or amongst friends or whatever that you're comfortable with or that gets really awkward and you feel a ton of weird feelings about? Or do you just want to be kind of the owner and be like, yeah, this is what I think, this is where I'm at, right? So many people are so ashamed to admit that they believe in God. Same thing mm -hmm. as they are ashamed to admit that they're sexual beings. They're like deeply entwined, right? These two big topics of God and sex. So definitely as a single person, you just, the whole thing about high noon is living in the light, which is mm -hmm. being a bright person who figures out who they want to be and just go all in on that person, becoming that person. And if other people are ashamed, great, that's their issue. And then, but you can just work on being proud, you know? And I did get into a debate. I kind of wrote, and it was pretty heavily edited, an article for this. It was like a blog article for another person's website. And it brought up the issue of what is sexual integrity. This guy started debating in the comment section saying that it was too general because I was just saying, basically, you need to, sexual integrity is when your sexuality is in line with your values, you know, and he's like, well, what if your values are hurting people? And I would say, well, that's, then you have sexual integrity as a horrible person, <laughs> but it's still sexual integrity because it's congruent with the person that you're choosing to be. But I think that any reasonable person could see like, is my sex sustainable? Is it productive? Is it helping me? Is it helping the people that are involved in this sexual act? If you can answer all these questions to the affirmative, yes, 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 then you're probably on the right track, right? And the same, same with God. Because there's some people that can take God and use God to hurt people, right? There's been plenty of that throughout history where people come in brandishing a Bible and a sword, you know, in each hand, respectively. So both God and sex can be used for terror or for world peace, sex for world peace. Yeah, I think one thing you mentioned about God being in people's lives that are experiencing high noon and what high noon is, is, I mean, I would say sexual integrity for God as opposed to sexual integrity for something else, for the self or the devil, whatever you want to call it. Because what people experience high noon living, which is honesty, accountability, grace, all those virtues. Um, that, that's B minus, by the way. <laughs> There's five of them. There's an okay. order to them. Come on, test. Integrity, accountability, grace honesty, and lust. No, that's not. Oh my God. That's <laughs> the last one. Double minus. Courage, man. Courage. Yeah, that's important. So when you live in sexual integrity in those virtues, then God dwells there. And we've seen that because at least with the guys that, that I work with, I've been closely working with, when they get their sexual integrity in check and invite God into their lives. And 
as a result of having sexual integrity, can experience God more fully because they're living a more honest life. That is the entire preface of what high noon is, is when we let ourselves be seen, when we live in the light and breathe in the light of high noon, then we're able to experience grace and love and forgiveness because if we're just constantly hiding and always thinking that if I let anybody know of this dark, deep, dark secret that I have that I'm holding onto as a crutch or a support system or as a, a demon, then no one will love me. My parents won't love me. My spouse won't love me. My wife, husband, my community won't love me. God, of course, won't love me. When you let go of that and realize I need to express this to the right people or right person because I need it, not because of some obligation, but because I need it and sure. because I can live a life that is infinitely more, more happy and free, then you can experience just the freedom that actually becomes very addictive. I've even heard people say like, I cannot live without Hainu now. Once you let yourself be free of the chains and you just are honest, it becomes like an addictive behavior. And when you do make a mistake or try to hide something, you just can't live with it anymore. It's so heavy on your conscience that you have to just have to let it out. And that's what we've seen is just experiencing God. Is just, That's where you can experience love and grace. And that's how you can, if you're a single person, prepare well for the matching blessing and being married. I mean, this is the work that I've been doing for the last 10 years, essentially is helping people get their integrity in check because I'm a firm believer that that's one of the most important things to do to be ready for a relationship. It's because if you can get your integrity in check, then there, there are a lot of boxes checked for you as a person. It means you have integrity. It means you have character. It means you have focus. That means you have vision. That means you can be in a relationship. That means you have control over your sexual energy. It means all, this, all these things. And it's not the only thing that makes you get ready for a relationship. But without this, it becomes very difficult to have the empathy, to have the compassion, to have all their, the qualities needed to have a successful marriage. So when people do go through a relationship, get engaged, get matched and blessed, inevitably, they always, I mean, we always encourage people to have these conversations about your sexual integrity. How are you doing? And have them early on in the relationship so you can have these honest conversations. And the couples that are doing it really well and being honest, people like Robin Crean, the people that we've had on this podcast, they are just like, I mean, most people would dread having that conversation in a matching process, right? Or an engagement process, having a conversation and letting them know their deep, dark secrets and things they've done in the past, which is very uncommon in today's society is to talk about those kinds of things, but letting them know that this has affected me. It's behind me. I want to be honest and open and Let's move on in this relationship together. And those couples that do that have the open communication are the ones that really succeed in their marriage. And yeah. it's really inspiring to see. And I guess that's part of it too. Like when you have a conversation with, the, okay, I guess now we're getting into couples, right? We're segueing. This is the official segue into couples. Because when you think about talking with somebody, like I've had this, if you're having an argument with somebody, it's very easy just to see from your own perspective and to feel your own feelings. And that usually puts you in a situation where you're just judging the other person for not being more like you. You're like, mm -hmm. why do you suck? Because you're not like me more. You should be more like me. Come more this way. And then the other person's doing the exact same thing typically. So it's like a standoff. It's like a high noon showdown. So what do you need in that situation? To have God, like a deep relationship with God and like to be able to see more from their perspective because you have access to humility through prayer. Like, hey, personally, I'm stuck and, and like judging you and, and not liking you right now, but I'm going to go to my happy place. I'm going to go to go deep into prayer and like get past my own stuff, my own garbage and move it out of the way so I can love you more. That's a very practical way that God has saved my marriage time and again, right? Is that there's 
there's like lubricant in our marriage and keep your mind out of the gutter people there's the the oil in this vehicle is god and it helps everything flow because we've definitely reached our limitations on multiple occasions on how much we can love each other based on what's in our hearts so we had to access we had to plug into the source of love itself which is god right so there's a practical way to like Apply God is to have a place to go, a safe place when you're fighting with your spouse to find a new perspective and new emotions, healthy emotions, positive emotions when you're out of them. And that's, I think, transferable to sexuality as well, because in my groups, I have two like young dads groups and we, I whipped out this conversation this week. I was asking them, do you guys talk about sex with your wife? And I was surprised that basically hardly any of them do. Because there's a lot of fear of rejection and all this stuff. I was like, guys, think about that. You don't talk about this hugely important issue with your wife. Practice, right? And so when they bring this up, this topic of sex with their wives, all these guys are going to experience a wide range of emotions. They're going to experience excitement, you know, when things are going good in the conversation. They're like, whoa, you said what? You, you What? Right? When you find some sort of agreement, they'll also feel like extreme frustration, right? if they feel rejected or, you know, just despondent or depressed or whatever. So the only way to navigate that is really to like, imagine you first, before you have these deep conversations, you pray. Mm. And then afterwards, you also pray. You have a lot of prayer to this. So that it's like your heart's deeply involved. Because when we're fighting from intellect, our hearts close. Mm -hmm. But when you discuss with your hearts, then you can go deep. You can have some great conversations. But prayer really comes in handy for that kind of stuff. What kind of conversations are they having or are they not having about sex? So one guy, so I was like, how do you let your wife know? Like, if you're ready for sex, he's like, he just, he did this kind of funny character where it was like, <laughs> I just kind of hobble over to, over to her and I let it be known. And then he said, if she rejects him, then he just feels, he keeps it inside. And then later, if he's like being very, I don't know, spiky. I think, you know, like a hedgehog when he's kind of going inside himself and he's not talking, he's not engaging. Mm. Just like, is there something going on? Are you okay? And he's like, I'm fine. He's just, they don't talk about it. So I was like, whoa, you should talk about it. Talk about the good. Talk about the bad. Talk about, hey, I'm mm. feeling this. How are you feeling? That's a great conversation to have. I think I'm ready for sex. Are you? And if they're not, yeah. the thing is, expectation is, I say, have the conversation without the expectation and it'll be a good conversation. If you have it, a conversation where you like expect an outcome, then you're probably going to, it's going to end mm -hmm. badly. Even yeah. if you get what you want, you're just projecting your stuff onto somebody else. But I'm just saying for the sake of like bringing God into the equation, it's like, well, how do you have these conversations that are difficult to navigate with softness? Because it's not just you, you feel connected to that person through this invisible force of spirituality that you have to like, we're in the kind of society where you have to like keep on refocusing. Oh yeah, I'm a spiritual being. Because the movies we watch don't reinforce that. The music we listen to doesn't reinforce that. So we have to consciously be like, oh yes, God exists. And you have to like remind yourself what that means to you, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So if you just have a conversation based on your opinion and their opinion, then it's very easy to get into a fight. But if you bring right. in a third party's opinion, which is God's opinion, that both of you are amazing people, mm -hmm. then it changes the dynamic. It's not like, I want this. Oh, you want mm -hmm. that? Well, you're wrong. I'm right or whatever. It's like, what's the larger perspective here? Yeah, there seems to be a, a shortcut to bringing the third party of God that we've seen 
is doing some hundoke, right? Honestly, like that's probably the main reason that I do hundoke ever. My wife is because we to do get some need, action. We we <laughs> well, yes, that too. But but because honestly, we need as people we need third party perspective. We need a bigger perspective because if we don't, then it's always just in us inside our heads or inside our couple. That's why I go to church. It's because I need to have some perspective. I need to get out of my head and out of just our couple and actually see things from God's perspective or a different perspective, a bigger perspective, and meet people and talk to people. And Hanoke is an excellent way to do that because it takes you outside of your world for just a second or just a few minutes to see things that you might not see before. So anyways, if there's a reason to get the, get the book, Core of the Universe, that would be it. <laughs> it's an action. Well, I got to say this past week, I've really fallen in love with the word perspective and I started to do some research on it. And essentially like your whole life, your experience of life is guided by your perspective. It's insane. Like I was just, I just had this conversation right now before this podcast with my son. because we just had lunch and he's like, I don't like this food. And I was like, that's just your perspective. You know, I was like, when I was a kid, I didn't like olives and now I do. Nothing changed in my mouth other than my perspective of what olives are. Mm. And I, I didn't, I, it was like a graduation where I didn't go from hating them to loving them. I was like, I gave them a shot and they kept on warming up until I liked them. So give it a try because your perspective is pretty crappy about this food that, that was just made for you. And that's, I find is delicious. So yeah. there's like, it's insane how much we assume is fact, black and white when it's actually perspective and that third party perspective is like a refresher. So that gives you a chance to formulate a slightly different, to maneuver your perspective, to be a little bit more advantageous for both parties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to share kind of about God in my blessing. If this is helpful for couples, when I got blessed 10 years, 11 years ago now, that was like the single most important thing to me at the time is I wanted to be someone that could love my wife as God loves her, see her from God's perspective. I know that's a, the cheesiest thing to say, but that really has helped. If there's anything that's really helped us get through the lows, you know, like you were saying, Andrew, is that I have been able to, at the end of the day, after a long day of fighting, arguing, or long period of just, you know, being at each other's throats, if I can just take a step back and realize that this is a child of God, more importantly, is I am able to have some compassion for her. And that's like, I say this all the time, to husbands is compassion leads to passion, right? If you can, especially Ooh. for, especially Does for- Does that women. mean action? Is that, are you yes. talking about action? Yes. This <laughs> is the key, is guys. Women, especially, I mean, generally speaking, of course, across the board, everyone needs compassion, but women crave just understanding and compassion. And there's a brother that I love a lot. He said to me that, I'm just going to say it because it might help some of, some, of, some of the couples here. He said that what a man wants more than anything is for the wife to just be happy. All right, that's true for me. I just want my wife to be happy. But what a woman wants more than anything is not to be happy, it's to be understood. So that's maybe a generalized, but I think it might be really helpful. It is for me because, yeah. I'm, it's, because it puts the focus away from how can I just make my wife grateful all the time? Can you just be grateful? I do everything, just be grateful. She doesn't want, my wife, at least in particular, she doesn't want to be happy all the time. She just wants to be understood. And it's through having, being understood and, and having compassion with her that she does experience happiness in the end. So my focus changes from how can I just fill her life with more compassion and understanding and listening and all that good stuff 
and just try to feel her through empathy. Then she experienced happiness. Then she experiences passion. And it just works. It just works. And for me, that is God. Like that is God's heart. When we make mistakes, when my wife makes mistakes, when I make mistakes, and we know we're not perfect. I know she's not perfect. She has her limitations. I know I definitely have my limitations. But to realize that we're children of God, we're growing, and we're growing in love. And every single day, we are expanding our capacity to love each other. At the end of the day, we're loving each other a little more than we did yesterday. Then that is becoming like God, essentially. That is becoming the female and the male aspects of God's heart. Mm. And for me, what that means is bringing God into our sex life is not just us experiencing incredible God-centered sex and there's just heaven and earth are shaking all the time. No, it's not just about me and my wife at all, ever. It's always about how can we grow as a couple through our sexual relationship and how can we grow to the point where we can be loving to other people, where we can expand our love so that we're more loving to our children, to mm. the people around us, not in a sexual way, of course but just as a more loving person, because anyone who's been married for more than a year knows, especially more than a year, <laughs> past the honeymoon phase, knows that to be in a healthy sexual relationship, you have to be selfless. You have to live for the sake of your spouse. Because as soon as that honeymoon phase is over and you're just having sex all the time every day, which is very common for <laughs> couples within their first year, after that phase ends, you have to start putting your spouse before your own. Men and women are wired biochemically differently, hormonally differently to require sexual intimacy in a different way. We hear the analogies all the time that men are like microwaves and women are like, like what? Slow cookers, like crockpots. It takes time. Why is it that God plays this <laughs> incredibly, this trick on us that the, the th single thing that we desire most in the world are in some ways not very compatible. It's so that we can learn how to be selfless. And for me, that is what bringing God into my relationship. I'm preaching to you, the choir. No, Andrew, I'm not preaching to you. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking to our audience here. That is what God instills in us. That's how we experience God in our sexual relationships. To me, is when I can use my sexual organ, my sexual energy, my integrity, selflessly and not selfishly, selflessly for the sake of my spouse and stop focusing on what I can get and how I can be satisfied, which is a challenge. But first and foremost, thinking about what she needs and what she desires. Mm. And at the end of the day, not thinking about if I do this, then I'll get this. That is a huge turnoff for women or for anyone. Yeah. Is if I do this, then I'll get, then I'll get. If I treat her this way or hold her this way or do this or that, then I'll get. It's no. It's I'm doing this for you because I love you. Because I love you. Because it's what you need and desire. And to me, that's what that's where God resides. And that is so different from anything we see online, Hollywood, the internet, the Instagram standard of what beauty and sexuality is is first and foremost, I'm doing this, it's my body, it's me. But no, that is not how you experience God. That is not how God comes and dwells in God's palace in your relationship. It is through that selflessness, that giving your sexual energy and focusing on your spouse. If I masturbate and watch porn today, this morning, I will have not have any sexual energy left at the end of the day. That is by definition selfish, right? Yeah. If I masturbate and watch porn every day as a husband, I will have zero energy, sexual energy left to give to my spouse at all. How can that not be labeled as self-centered? There's nothing left for my wife. I have no, not even a desire at all to pleasure her at all. Sure. So anyways, clear. Well, that's, I, I like that because what you're talking about is when you behave as you understand God's behavior to be, which are these virtuous ways, the selflessness, the giving, the, all this stuff, then you're producing the feeling of closeness with God during the whatever subsequent action is, right? So if the byproduct is sexuality and you got to that sexual act as a couple, 
by being selfless and loving and caring towards each other. And the byproduct is closeness to each other and an intimacy and also an intimacy with God, which is very practical. And also when you're talking about fighting before it brought up this basic formula, which is like thoughts produce feelings, feelings mm -hmm. produce behavior. There's more to that equation, but I'll just leave it <laughs> for simplicity's sake. But like when you have thoughts and negative thoughts because you're fighting, then it produces these negative emotions and it creates this kind of screw you behavior. <laughs> and so I have this habit of even when we're fighting, even when we're not fighting, just as often as possible, a part of my evening ritual especially is envisioning my wife and I feeling good with each other and thinking about it and then feeling it and then it changes my behavior. And, and during the difficult times, it's especially helpful because you get stuck in these loops of thinking about all the things that they did wrong and it's producing these negative feelings that make you just feel stuck in a relationship with somebody you don't like. And then that's the loop that plays out and it influences your behavior. It's very clear and practical, right? Whereas you can interrupt that pattern by thinking of some new stuff. And why I bring this up is because when you think about, well, what do her parents, I mean, if she has a healthy relationship, I mean, say for me, my wife's dad passed away when she was 16. And by all her accounts, he was like the most amazing, generous, warm, loving man, and which is not typical for Mongolians of that era. He was just like a very uniquely loving, open-minded person. And so I always go back to, well, what does he think of my behavior right now? <laughs> right? Like, what does he think of his daughter? And how would I speak to him? And that helps me to formulate a new perspective. Because if I'm thinking really negatively, or if I'm getting lost in some sort of fantasy of somebody else, I'm like, well, what, what does that dude think about me right now? You know? And then that helps me to adjust and align with that. And that produces new feelings and that produces new behavior. So yeah, this behavior and belief are linked, right? Behavior and belief are linked. So even if you have an abstract notion of God, if you can identify the virtues that you think are godly, right? that God's probably not a psycho murdering maniac. Okay, that's one extreme. Then what is God? God is meant to be benevolent, all loving. But the mm -hmm. Christian God is expressed as God, the agape God, which is like just, we have shimjong, right? Like the unquenchable desire to give love. Mm -hmm. Like this, I just want to give you love, right? So if you start to produce like a short list of behaviors that you think this benevolent God, how God would act, and you start kind of trying to live up to those and do those behaviors, then you're going to produce the feeling of godliness. So that's a part of your sex. And that's single or as a couple, right? If you're a single person, it's not very benevolent to kind of creep on other people having sex. It's kind of, that's kind of, I feel like that doesn't ring true to benevolence, right? Really like generously giving. It's a very taking-oriented action, watching porn, yeah. masturbating as well. So anyway, I think we did some good exploration here. It's a lofty topic, guys, but I think my understanding, I'd love for you, Benji, to break it down in your own words, and I'll try to do it mm. in mine. Like What I understand as a main takeaway for this is God and sex as a single person or as a couple it's a behavioral, it's not just this abstract thing like, oh, I think I feel God while I watch porn. No, it's like a behavioral thing. So if God has virtues or values, what are those? And then try to live up to those. And mm -hmm. by doing the behaviors that you believe God 
would be doing through you, then you'll the, you'll produce the feeling of closeness with God. Mm. So that's for both couples and singles. What about you? Yeah, I would say that God is love. And therefore, to feel love, you need to be seen for who you are. You need to experience grace. And what I does that first... mean? I always get confused when people are like, I just want to be seen. What does that mean? <laughs> Sammy says that a lot. I'm you like, put I don't it that way. It means, it means being honest about who you are. And what That's you, what that means to be seen. It means, is being, to... it means living high noon. It means watching all of our videos and podcasts and joining a group. <laughs> it means consuming all the high noon content that you can. <laughs> and just telling somebody, you know, we all have things. We all have something that we know that we need to get off our chest, you know, and it's not just one thing usually, or it's not just a set of things, but it's a practice. It's a muscle of being seen for who we are and letting people into our lives and letting our guard down. Because the reality is that it's not that God is some distant figure entity that is just on a throne and, and waiting for us. No, our understanding of God is that God is a parent that is trying to connect with us. And we have dug ourselves into a hole throughout history. And we are the ones who have been turning away from God farther and farther away. And we need to be able to come out of that hole into the light and be vulnerable. And when we're vulnerable and honest and realize that we're not perfect and let ourselves be seen by a parent, by a mentor, by your group, by God, then we can experience grace and forgiveness and love. And I think that is really the first step and the only way to actually experience God in our lives. Not just in a sexual way, but sexuality by definition, especially pornography is one of the most secretive things that we carry with us. And that's a good place to start. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. So I hope this was helpful, guys. I think, again, the reason why we bring this up is because we advocate for it. But I think it's something that's so abstract. Or it's like, yeah, I get it at a distance. But up close day to day, when it's between doing certain activities or not, sometimes it's hard to put, where's God in all of this? Where does God fit into all of this? And so to not leave God in the abstract, but to allow it, the experience of God to be in your behaviors will help you produce the result of feeling close to God. Behaviors too. So to live up to your understanding of how, not, I don't like that term of like, God wants you to be like this. Cause that's like, that's very kind of expectation laden and like guilt driven. It's more mm -hmm. like if God could inhabit your body and live as God would want to live, how would God act through your body? That's like to, to live optimally as God would want to. I think that's a much healthier perspective. And so we hope this brought you closer to a deeper understanding of how God and sex mix. And if you want any more information, like some great Hunduke book, where can they find a Hunduke book that's all about this stuff, Benji? Core of the universe. We have a handy little website called hainu.org slash core, C-O-R-E. You can get your book right now from Amazon, from anywhere in the world, basically. Wow. Yeah, I know people in Europe got their copies lickety split. Some guy in Switzerland got his and just like he got was like he was shocked at how fast he got it. Nice. So yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Benji. Thank you everybody for listening. Get that core of the universe. It's great. It's remember this. That book is not a book to be read. It's a book to experience and you're meant to experience it in conversation with other people. So try to read it if you're married with your partner, if you're if you have kids together as a family. Or if you're single together with a group of, I would say, same gender individuals, otherwise it might get really awkward really quickly and kind of go deep into to this stuff so you can have a greater understanding of what sex was really designed to be. 
because if you don't use something as designed, you're never going to get the benefits, the full benefits of mm-hmm. it. So enjoy, find that on our website, go on Amazon. And just, if you go on Amazon, type in best book in the world and it'll probably pop up. Nice. Uh, probably not. Not yet. Give us a few years to catch up with that algorithm. But we love you guys. We thank you so much. As always, ask us any questions. And if you have any requests for episodes, we are happy to oblige. God bless your faces and your arms and all the rest of you. Genitals. Yep. Everything. God bless you guys. Take care. Hello, everybody. Andrew Love here. And I just wanted to add one more point. High Noon is a nonprofit organization, and we are run by donations. And although we've been doing okay, thanks to the massive generosity of our founders, the Wolfenbergers, we want to expand higher, 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 higher. We want to make a global impact. We want to reach every family. We want to change the culture. And for that to happen, we're going to need a lot of volunteers and a lot of staff. That's just the reality. It takes money to travel. It takes money to do a lot of the things we do. And we want to let you be a part of this growth. And so what we've created is a donors club, which is a $10 a month club. And when you join, you get a t-shirt mailed to your door. You can get some exclusive content. And we also have some really good goodies for our tribe of people who are part of the donors club that we're going to talk about in the coming months. So I just wanted to invite you to be one of these people. Everybody can afford $10 a month. It's just a matter of whether it's a priority. So if you feel High Noon has impacted you positively or your family or somebody you know, please consider donating. I don't want you to give any money unless you really, really want to. But if you do want to, I encourage you to really, really donate. So $10 a month is, I don't know, a cat a month. I don't know how to measure it. It's a giant hamburger and french fries a month that you can sacrifice in order to help this world become a more habitable, more enjoyable, more connected, more loving place. So please consider joining our Donors Club. It's just $10 a month. We look forward to seeing you on the inside of our secret society for donors. Have a good day, everybody.